Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Don't panic! Don't panic! Right! Don't, don't panic! You're all right! Two games gone. We haven't. We've lost two games of football. It's there's no need to panic whatsoever. We've got 30, 30 plus odd games left. Um, it's a long season, as we say. Again, their friends in podcast land, and welcome to episode 150 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And there's been a, a bit of doom and gloom this week in Whitecaps land, Steve. Uh, a lot of unhappy people after the Whitecaps slumped to their, their second loss to kick off the season. If you read Twitter or social media or online forums over the weekend... Definitely, definitely a lot of unhappy Whitecaps fans. Are there a lot of people that want to blow everything up at this point? Yeah, it's the, there was even on the Southsiders forum, someone started a fire Robbo, Robbo <laughs> Death Watch thread. Death Watch? Yeah. Oh, you mean like to get fired, not yeah. actually death? No. Okay, um, that's uh, acceptable. That, that was closed down pretty quickly, thankfully, yeah. which, which was well done by, by the moderators there. So I thought, let, let's start off this podcast. We'll, we'll try and raise the, the doom and gloom a little bit. Let, let's start with a couple of jokes. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to kind of channel some vaudevillain style here. So, I say, I say, I say, why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because he saw Jordan Smith coming and he didn't want to look at another foul. (laughs) Or how about, I say, I say, I say, why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because he saw Jordan Smith on the other side and he thought it was one of his headless comrades. (laughs) It's... That is true, man. Jordan Smith is like I. He looked at he. He was looking better last year. I don't know what's going on this year. He seems like we were all talking about how with a with an off season training he would get better. He would get solid defensively. It seems like he's even gotten regressed a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, he just looked so out of his depth against Kansas City, and we're gonna have a lot of talk about the the Whitecaps defense in this episode. But we'll come to that in a little bit. Big Cascadia Derby coming up this weekend, so we're going to look ahead to that as well. We have to start, though, and we're not going to talk maybe too much on this. We've got to look at the KC defeat. Yeah, just a minor, quick look at it. Yeah, that, that'll fill a, a good couple of hours, yeah. just with our, our minor picking of what went wrong. Have to start by looking at Carl Robinson's lineup. Yeah. Uh, he made a couple of surprise decisions to, to start the game, and by half-time... The two surprises of Debbie Flores as DM and Jordan Smith as as right back were done. We're not on the pitch. Yeah, and and they're essentially, I, I think they're the the main culprits, obviously, for uh, being down two nil at half time. Yeah, I mean, well, let, let's look at the goals that we, we gave up. The, the first two, one, two, two horrible mistakes again. Yeah. just like just complete breakdowns that, sh- like. Obviously, every goal that's given up, there is a breakdown here and there. But these were total like meltdowns by uh, either team-wise or individual-wise. Yeah, and Dom Dwyer, he's one of those guys, if you give him a sniff, yeah. he, he's going to take it. But he, he, he lasered that shot. Ousted had no shot at that one. Either. No. I mean, that, that, like I'm saying, you give him a sniff and he takes it. You, yeah. you give him a shot from 25 yards as well and he takes it. Yeah. And that first goal, within the first five minutes of the game, all stemmed from Debbie Flores miscontrolling or trying to do I don't know what. Brain crap. And yeah, and just like the ball then just fell straight into to Dwyer's path and like say a laser in off the bar, beat Ousted, all ends up, nothing Ousted could have done with that. And just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Yeah, it's it was... Uh... Yeah, I, the thing is that you were talking about surprise. I, I honestly, last game I thought Keon Sproles played well. I, I, he came off early too, but and that was obviously because they were trying to get back into the game. But I thought he did well in the game, so I don't, I don't, I could somewhat understand Fraser aired, 
Uh, but uh, I totally did not see Keon's Rose coming. I thought they would stay a little bit, you know, yeah. get continuity. It, it, it was hard. a big surprise for me. I, I thought we might actually have seen Froze play like on the right wing, right midfield, and yeah. we'd have Pedro dropping back yeah. a little bit deeper like he, he did when they were experimenting down in Portland. But then when you when you saw that Flores was starting, and Flores did have a good pre-season. Yeah. But that's pre-season. And the games that he was playing, he wasn't playing against full-strength opposition. Full, yeah, full-strength and sometimes not even MLS competition. Yeah. So it's easy to shine it in games like that, and pre-season counts for, for very little when everyone's still trying to find their fitness. And he just, he, he just looks struggling there. And... We're needing a guy beside Laba that's that's solid, and we'll we'll talk about Andrew Jacobson coming in later on the show. But I mean Laba as well is kind of struggling a little bit just now. He he missed he's, a week of yeah. training for the birth of his baby. Yeah, he doesn't look up to the standard that that we expect from him and that we use from him. And if I'm not mistaken, the kid's back in Argentina still, right? Yeah, so it's not that he's got so sleepless nights. And he doesn't have sleepless nights, but when you're away from a kid, you're, you're first born. And you're away from it, and you're finding out information stuff. It kind of gets you off your game too. Well, I mean, as you know, with having two kids, kids yeah, ruin everything. They do. And hopefully, it hasn't ruined Laba for too long. Laba's a guy that that we're needing to be strong, get the tackles in, and be that rock in front of the back four. Especially when the back four are struggling. Especially when the back four can't seem to mark up. Yeah. And that brings us to the second goal. Where if you look at a, a freeze frame off the goal, as the ball comes across, there's four unmarked KC players. Yeah, Waston was well. Jordan Smith was out outside the box at this point. I think somewhere or just I, I think he was outside the, the box. Yeah, for, the, whole for the whole game. <laughs> yeah, and then and so he was just he, he had followed somebody. I, I don't remember the player followed somebody outside the box and tried to do a really dangerous tackle. Which if he had made connection, he would have been sent off at that point. And the ball got over to the other side of the box, uh, the uh, the right side, or Kansas City's right side, got crossed back over, and then Dom Dwyer was all open. Waston was, had an issue there, too, because he was basically in the middle. He didn't notice or didn't didn't know that uh, Jordan Smith had left, so he didn't even know Dom Dwyer probably was all open. But th- there was just a lack of communication and lack of uh, fundamental de- defending there. It was a lovely move by KC. You've got to give them credit for that. And, I mean, Dwyer is going to, to bury those chances all day long. It's yeah. easy, easy slotting home under Eisted. Yeah. Uh, but to have that much space and to have... The defence just looked all at sea. I, I, don't, I don't know what's up with them. Kendall Waston. I'm going to hear me asking Robbo about this in a little bit. But Kendall Waston as well looks a step off the player that we saw last year. And it's early going. It's like, no need to panic. But Waston does look one of the key guys that, that's not on the top of his game. And a question which I posed to Carol, which, as I said, we'll hear in a little bit, was, is he playing scared? Have the referees got into his head? After picking up the booking in the first game against Montreal... Is he frightened to go into tackles? Does he? Yeah. Is it playing on his mind that if he goes in hard that he, he's going to to get bookings? Maybe, but that isn't excusing the fact that he's not marking up. No, he's not marking up. And also, you you were talking about the the one shot game. He gave, I think that that game in the preseason against Chicago, where he he gave up that penalty uh, early on. That uh, really because. That was just like like almost like bumping into somebody. Yeah. There was very little contact there, but they called the penalty on that one too. And that was similar. That call against Chicago was similar to what was happening to him last season too, a lot. Where he, if he was just making any kind of contact and the player went down, he would get called for either booked or a penalty. And you have to think something like that is going to start to play in his mind a bit. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's going to second guess himself. He's going to wonder, should I jump in here? What's going to happen? Because he doesn't want to get suspended. He doesn't want to... Um, uh, he doesn't want to give up penalties for his team, so obviously that is going to. He's he's probably, I think he's trying to play the finesse center back role, and that that's not really his game. No, and the Whitecaps half two down after forty one minutes. Could it get any worse? Well, I don't know if it actually did get worse because we lost the weakest link in Jordan Smith. Yeah, right in the stroke of half time. It was a horrible tackle. Oh, every angle that you saw the replay from just yeah. made it look worse. Yeah. It, it just it felt like he looked up, he saw Zussi getting away, he panicked, thought, I don't know what to do, I'm just going to lunge at him from behind. Yeah. 
And I'll be surprised if he doesn't get more than one game for that. I would be surprised too. And then you had that poll on the, on the weekend. Oh, yeah. You should mention that too. Now, now, I don't want it to sound that we're piling on Jordan Smith because any long-time listeners will know that I was quite supportive of him last year and I was pushing for him to be the starting right-back because I've seen what he can do at training and, and bring on the field offensively. Defensively, though, he is a bomb scare. Yeah. And... You, you say you don't want to pile on him, but you open the kind of the, the, the floodgates to pile well, on him with this yes, question. Yes, <laughs> and to be fair, Darren Maddox has, has moved on. And we'll talk about that in a bit. And we, need to, we obviously need a new pipping boy, and I think that could be Jordan Smith. But anyway, the poll which we posed on Twitter was, should Jordan Smith be the Whitecaps starting right back, a backup, or right back in a plane home to Costa Rica? So 2% of the people, 195 people voted. 2% of those voting said that he should be the starting right back. Have a feeling that might be fans of other teams that, that were voting for that. Or Jordan Smith. Oh, yeah, or Jordan Smith. And, <laughs> and Kendall Waston. We've got a lot of Ticos <laughs> that follow our, our Twitter account, so it could be that as well. 29% wanted him to be a backup to Fraser Aird. 14% wanted him to be a backup to a new right back. And 55% wanted him right back on a plane home to Costa Rica. Yeah, that's uh, pretty... And uh, how many people voted? Like 200 or so? 195. 195, just under 200. Yeah, so, I mean, over 100 folk want him to to go back to to Costa Rica. I think that could be our Trump 2016 supporters, though, that that were maybe taking part in that. (laughs) Um, Like, obviously, the the whole idea in the off-season, and we talked about it, too, when we knew Betashore was leaving, that... They wanted, and I think they probably, they tried to bring in a veteran right back to back up or, or start ahead of Jordan Smith so he would have time. Um, but obviously Fraser Aird came in at that point, and then now you got two young right backs. One guy who, one guy who's, it's, it's a new position for him, and one who guy who's playing like it's a new position for him. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward with that. Well, before we kind of delve any more into the Whitecaps' defensive side of things, let's hear a little bit from Kyle Robinson at training on Tuesday. The, the questions were all about the defence and, and right-backs. There was loads of them. So we've, we've put them kind of together, a little quick three-minute segment for you to listen to. Just Robbo talking about how he feels the defence is playing, what's gone wrong, the faith that he has in his right-backs. Is he going to pull the trigger and try and, and bring somebody... You in. And talking about just what, what you said there, Steve, about how he would have loved to have brought in an experienced right back, but he just couldn't get the deal done. So let's hear now from Carl Robinson. It's part of the problem, the concern, that's sort of how the losses have come, not so much the losses, you know, two losses, two losses, but it's how they've come about with defensive losses. It's disappointing, as I said, you know, you, you don't like losing any game of football, but when you do it and you help the other team win from your defensive lapses, then it, it, it's probably more disappointing, yes. You, you let uh, Stephen Bader go last year. Um, seems like there's a glaring issue on that right back spot. Uh, are, are there concerns moving forward uh, with that position right now? Well, I think everyone knows within the league that you have to um, make sacrifices at some point. Uh, we had to do it for a, a cap perspective. Uh, sadly, we had to lose Stephen, and, and we, I wish Stephen good luck in Toronto. But you know, we, we've brought in two players in Fraser and Jordan here that. You know, we've got to continue to work with. Um, you know, it's not one individual that's going to uh, affect it. It's going to be a t- collective team effort, and and that's what we'll have to do. But you know, it's about making players better and getting back to work, and that's are, all we can do. Are you willing to be patient then with those two, considering that they're younger, less experienced? They are younger, yeah. Listen, you know, if if I could sign an experienced player back, you know, when Stephen went, then I would have. Uh, I couldn't. Uh, I wasn't able to. So I brought in these two young boys, and we'll continue to work with them. Obviously, a, a lot of focus on the defence, but is it maybe an element as well that the players in front of them in the DM role, they're not on the top of their game, so it's putting more pressure on the defence? Yeah, whenever you whenever you lose a game, it's easy to analyse uh, a certain individual that maybe some people don't like or are missing. Um, but I think it's a collective effort, I really do, because you know in the first two games we've had defensive lapses, and that goes from, from our goalkeeper all the way through to our forwards. Uh, we haven't taken our chances when we should have. Um, and we probably haven't been on top of our game as much as we would have liked. So whether it's the defenders, the right back, the left back, the defensive players, or all the forwards, you know, we, we can all be better. 
had kind of lost them as well. He's not had as solid a start. Is it maybe an element as well that the referees have maybe got in his head a little bit and he's scared to go in for the tackles that he has? I don't know. Um, you know, I think Kendall's done okay in the first two games, but you know, the it's a physical game. I say it's about tackling, and, and we saw that on Saturday in KC. There was a lot of tackles that were, you know, stopped and you know, free kicks given and fouls given, and there was others that weren't. Um, but like I said oh, that's not my job. My job's to try and uh, pick the team to win games of football. So I'll pass on that one. And the international rosters are announced this week. Do you have any concerns that you might be missing Jordan Smith, Fraser Aird and Tim Parker for the right-back role? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll wait. I'll turn my phone off. Maybe I won't get one then. <laughs> uh, now, there's always concerns, but unfortunately that's, that's the, the world we live in. International players are, are usually the better players because they're wanted by the countries and, you know, we've got a number of international players in there. So we'll have to deal with it. Uh, we will deal with it, but it'll give someone else a chance. If, you, if all three were away, yeah. Do you have another right back, or would that maybe look at you, tinkering? The you can come and play right back oh, for I us. <laughs> nah, listen, it, it, might, it probably would be a tinker of the formation um, to put players in the best spots that they're most suited to perform at the, those levels. So it probably would be. Uh, so Robert, they're talking about the defence and the uh, Whitecaps right back situation. So looking at how things have have kind of shaped up for the first two games. We, we talked about the surprise of Flores being in the team and the disaster of Smith being in the team, but, I mean, were you really surprised that he pulled Aird so quickly, or do you think it was the plan all along to let I, them I play a game each and see it, how it went? It could have been a plan all along. I wouldn't have doubted that. Um, although we, we we were talking about Aird had totally cleanly won the opening, um, the starting spot at right back yeah. during the preseason. We thought it was like a clear victory. And obviously he had a difficult... But if you look at it, he had definitely had a... It was difficult the first half for him, especially going up against Piotti. The second half, I thought he bounced back and actually played better. And when he came back on in the second half for Jordan... Well, not for Jordan Smith, but to replace him on the back line, I thought he played solid there too. I thought he was all right. So in actuality, out of the three halves he's played, the only one has been iffy, and that was a couple, only a couple plays here and there. And I think... Going forward, as it stands right now, yeah. Robo doesn't have any other options. He, he could look at Tim Parker possibly playing at right back. But then you would bring Khan in and would, is Khan ready to play? Yeah, I mean, Khan's gone too right Ka's now. Khan's been training you. off to the side. Off to the side uh, yeah. So I don't think he's, he's ready. totally ready to go. And as you say, Dean's injured. Cole Siler is yeah. fit to go. Siler can also play right back. I mean, I asked Robo there about. What's going to happen if all those players go away for the Houston game and, and aren't available for right-back? But Siler can play right-back. Yeah. I also don't think all three players are going to get their international call-ups. Okay. Parker, yeah, he's going to be away with the US under-23s in that crucial Olympic qualifier against Colombia. I can see Jordan Smith also going away with Costa Rica. He might be suspended for two games anyway. No, I'm missing that. You will find out tomorrow on Thursday. Fraser Aird, I just don't think he's going to get called up for Canada. The, it, he was he was almost like the last call, person called up against the, in the previous uh, qualifying, I think. Flora was at that opening game against Montreal, so yeah. I don't think he did himself any favours no. in that game. So I, I think we won't see Aird called up, but I think the other two might be away. And then we're also going to be losing Kendall Waston as well. Yeah. So we're going to be really, really short at the back for that, so that Houston we, game. We need Ka healthy by then. We need Ka healthy, we need Siler looking good, yeah. and no more injuries yeah. between now and then. The only other option is if Sam doesn't get called up, then you put Sam on the left side. And, and if Sam doesn't get called up and Jordan does... Then maybe put Sam on the left and put Jordan on the right side because they tried it before and that might work too. Um, I oh. think I think the Canada will like if Robo talks to them. I'm not sure how good a relationship they have. Maybe they will only take one of the two and not both of them. Because neither of them is going to be, be playing in the games against Mexico. Not yeah, or not at least not starting. Not I mean, starting. Sam could come on possibly yeah. as a sub, but it's, it's unlikely that no. that you have to think that that. That they're going to be playing either of them, but with the I think they'll go with the veteran. Got now. I think they go with the veteran uh, players at the back of this one. And we're talking about Jordan there, the, the good Jordan. Yeah, uh, I think that's how we'll start to refer to him. Good hashtag good Jordan hashtag bad Jordan. <laughs> so Jordan Harvey against KC. I mean, we've talked about the defence and everything that was lacking. 
he was my man of the match. Yeah, I which think is a lot kind of people, terrifying in itself if, because your your left back that's and a defence has given up two goals as your man of the match. Yeah, but I think he, he played solid. I think you're not the only one to name a man of the match. I think it was a lot of people's man of the match just because they really had nothing going forward anyways. So, I mean, Harvey did well, and having that veteran presence on, on the back line is obviously crucial now because, the, I mean, Parker's done okay, Waston's done okay, and you, you've got what happens in the right-back position going forward. Now, there is a, a possibility that... Robinson could maybe bring in uh, an, another player, uh, another right back. The squad just now is officially at its complement of 28. Yeah. But I believe Marco Carducci is going to be going on a season-long loan, probably to Europe. Scandinavia is the, the place to watch there. So that's going to free up another roster spot. And I asked Robbo, like, is there a possibility... Well, actually, Robbo... At training yesterday for the scrums, kept us waiting for about a good 20 to 30 minutes. And when he eventually kept, came out, he made a joke and was apologising. And I, I just said, oh, I, I thought you were possibly on the phone trying to get us a new right back. And the look that he gave me, and you can just see it at the start of the, the video that's up on the cap site. It's a look off. Yeah, that is actually what I was just doing. I was on the phone there. But maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But I did ask Robo like, what the chances of bringing another player in, and here's what he said about that. Your squad's at the full complement just now, 28. Do you see you being busy before the summer, or are you happy with? Maybe, nah, maybe you know we, we have got room for one one more if we if we want, if we would like, and it's something we'll look at. But you know, we've got, I've got a good group of players in there that I'm happy with, and if I can add to it, then maybe I'll look at it. If if I can't, then I'll I'll wait patiently till the summer. So I guess the big question, Steve, is do you want to see him pull the trigger and bring in an experienced right-back before the summer and before this window shuts in April? I would, well, like, like we said in the off-season, I wanted a veteran right-back anyway. So I, I would say yes at this point. And it has nothing to do with the performances of Jordan Smith or Frazier. I would have said yes before that, even after what Frazier showed in the preseason. So... Uh, I would be for it, and then all they need to do is just uh, have somebody who uh, is not is okay with not playing every game, um, but is solid enough to play start when he needs to. And the Whitecaps do have the gam, the tam, the wham bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, from the Matix trade. Yeah. Gam and tam are the best partnership in soccer, I think, since uh, Sutton and Shearer. Yeah. Well, this MLS said less. Oh, definitely the best best partnership ever in MLS. So right now, the starting right back looks that it's back to being Fraser Aird. We yeah. did say that last week and Robo shocked us, but it looks like Fraser Aird is the starting right back going forward. And I got a chance to, to catch up with Fraser at training this week. Just have a, a chat about his and the cap start to the season. The big derby game coming up this weekend against Seattle. And he's a, a man that's no stranger to big derbies, having played in an old firm derby, Rangers against Celtic at Hamden, Scottish League Cup semi-final. So we had a chat about that and a few things more. So here's some Scott and Scott action with Fraser Aird. So, Fraser, thanks for joining us. First thing to really ask you, really good pre-season for yourself and the team, but the, the actual start to the season's probably not been what you were hoping for. Yeah, obviously, um, boys worked really hard in pre-season. Um, we had a few good results, but at the end of the day, it was pre-season. You know, we need to carry that on into the, to the real season. Um, we haven't picked up any points yet, not the start that we obviously wanted. Um, but we can still take positives out of the last two games. I thought we'd done really well in the second half um, at Kansas. We gave ourselves a mountain to climb, and it was obviously too hard to climb in the second half for us. We got one goal back, we just couldn't get the second. Um, but I think we need to show that urgency and um, that desire, like we did in the second half um, at the start of the games. Um, and I think that we'll be successful. And I know we will be successful because we have too good of a team not to be um, they've done really well last year the gaffers added a lot of talent this year um, and we just kind of need to find the right formula and put it all together and find the form that we had in pre-season um, but I know we'll get there 
The, the defence, it's kind of had a bit of a torrid time, but it's not just been the defence's fault. Like Some of the tracking back from the midfield's not been there. Is that like one of the key things that you feel the team's needing to work on now, just moving forward? Um, I don't think you can blame it on the defence, to be honest. It's a, it's a team game. Um, if the strikers aren't scoring, the midfielders aren't passing the ball or not defending, defenders aren't doing the job, it's a team game. Um, there might be individual mistakes in there. Um, but that happens in football, everyone's going to make mistakes. Um, but I think can't just blame it on the defence, it's the team as a whole. Everyone needs to take responsibility and everyone needs to step up and be a little bit better. Um, and we'll get there. Um, we have another big game um, to look forward to on Saturday, away to Seattle. Um, so it's another opportunity to go onto the pitch and for 90 minutes we have, a go, we have a chance to go and make things right and hopefully we can do that. Now you've had a game and a half in MLS. How have, how have you found the league? I mean, is, compared to what you were playing, obviously you started with Rangers in the in the lower leagues, and then you're in the Championship last season, and at the start of this season, how have you found? Like, is it a big jump from what you've been playing to MLS level? I wouldn't say it's a big jump. It's football at the end of the day. Um, there's a lot of good players that play in the Championship in Scotland, playing at one of the biggest clubs in the world. There's pressure on you all the time to play, um, and I found that there's a lot of pressure here. Um, to play, so I would say it's kind of the same. Um, but Dodge, I've been out for a while. I haven't really played as much as I wanted to last a little while. So getting games under my belt, getting minutes under my belt, that's the main thing um, right now. And I'm sure I'll find my form. I still have a lot more to give, and I think our team has a lot more to give. Um, but we'll get there. Um, it'll take time. But as I said, we have another chance, another 90 minutes on Saturday to go and get points on the board, um, which we need to start doing. The first game against Montreal, you put your hand up at halftime. I think you, you earned a lot of like admiration from folk for, for doing that because it's a tough thing to do. But the second half, you came out and you you seemed to be a lot more comfortable. That first half, was it just a little bit nerves as well or just kind of finding your feet in a new environment? Um, a little bit of both. I thought first half we were maybe a little bit too deep. Um, it's the first game in the MLS for the team. Um the home opener there's always going to be a little bit of nerves I think if someone says they're not nervous before a game then they're lying because I think everyone has a bit of nerves um, but with that and I don't think we played as well and we came out second half we played a lot better we got on the ball a lot more a um, few good crosses in the box from me got into forward areas where I'm a lot better but I think all in all it was just a poor or slower start to the game than we'd wished um, and second half we came out a bit better um, and then the game against Kansas, second half, I got a few balls into the box, got forward a little bit better. Um, but no, I think just finding that when to go, when to stay back, when to defend, when to attack. I think the more games I play and the way that Robbo wants me to play, um, just, the more games under my belt, the better I'll be, you know. Um, but as for the first goal, um, maybe I should have done better. But I think there was a few mistakes leading up to it. I just, I personally just put my hand up and said that it was my fault because I thought that I could have done a lot better, but I'm sure there's a lot other boys in there that could probably have done a lot better too for the goal. But at the end of the day, it was a great um, solo goal and took the goal well. And you've made the transition from playing right wing, right midfield to, to right back. How big a change to your game do you have to make for that? Is it quite easy to slot into it or is it quite a hard adjustment to make because you're having to defend more than you were? Um, yeah, it's hard, but it's a challenge, and that's what I'm here for. I'm here for a challenge. I'm here to play games. I'm here to get experience. I'm here to get more minutes under my belt. Um, and the only way I'm going to do that is playing. Um, you can train as much as you want, but it's totally different when you get into a game. You need to do different things. You need to think on the spot. It's a lot harder. But no, it's, it's, it's difficult, but I'm here. I'm looking forward to the challenge. I know I'll get better. The more games I play, the better I'll get. Um, but I'll just come with experience. Talking about big games, big game, as you mentioned, this weekend down in Seattle. It's going to be tens of thousands of folk down there. You're used to the big environments, you're used to the derby games. You played uh, in the Scottish Cup, or Scottish League Cup semi-final against Celtic. How was that experience to actually play in an old firm derby as a, as a die-hard, lifelong Rangers fan to actually play against Celtic in one of those games? Yeah, obviously it was a dream come true for me, obviously playing against... Um, the rivals Celtic. Um, growing up a massive Rangers fan, obviously it was big for me and my family. When I die, I could probably say that I've played in I've played in one of them. Um, not the result we wanted, obviously, um, but at least I could tell my kids and my grandkids that I've played in a old firm derby. But at the end of the day, it's just another big game of football. Um, it's eleven on the park. We need to go out and prove ourselves again this weekend. Uh, it's another big game for us, and I think. 
that's what we need right now. We need a big game, go out and get a big result and maybe lift the spirits a little bit um, and change them because I know that we can do what we, if we can show um, what we've been showing in training and the pre-season games, then I know we can go down there and get a result. Um, so a big game, maybe that's good for us. Actually, David Eisted had said something like that after the game on Saturday. It might be the kind of game that's going to spur the team on. I mean, playing in like a semi-final like that with a hostile environment and then going down to Seattle open this like tens of thousands of folk cheering against you, is that the kind of thing that as a player it kind of raises you to another level because you want to, to shut them up? Yeah, you're in a lose-lose situation. I'll say there are 30, 40, 50,000 fans. don't know how many are going to be there, but they'll all be supporting Seattle. Um, they haven't had the best results either, um, so they're looking to get points. Um, and obviously it's a derby for us obviously our fans want us to do well as a team and a club we want to do well every game we go into the park we want to go out and win um, we, if you're a football player you every game you want to win so we go down there confident and at the, as I said it's 11 v 11 on the park in 90 minutes to go and prove ourselves and get our season up and running How, how are you settling into Vancouver? I mean what's, what's your experiences if it's so far you, you're happy here? Yeah it's been good um, players, coaching staff the city is very nice um, obviously here with my girlfriends, she's kind of settled me in a little bit better um, now that she's here but no everything's been good and just hopefully the on the park stuff can improve a bit better and get back to winning ways which this club should be doing um, and then everything will, will fall into place that's great thanks so much Fraser and good luck on Saturday thank you very So Fraser Aird there talking about life at the Whitecaps and Derby Days. And before we look ahead to, to Saturday's Derby, let's just look at a couple of other aspects from, from the KC game. We've talked a lot about the defence and that was a lot of the talk at Whitecaps training this week was about the defence and it's maybe kind of covering up a little bit uh, about the attack yeah. in the midfield. Uh, as Fraser Aird said there, you heard him saying that he doesn't feel that all the blame can be put on the defence, that there's other aspects of the team that aren't performing. Yeah. And you look at the goal side, yes, the Whitecaps have scored three goals. None of them are from open play. Three goals from set pieces. Exactly. A penalty, a corner and a free kick. Yeah. yeah. Which is great because that's where they were struggling last year was to, to actually score from Well, they were struggling pieces. from everywhere to score from last year. True. Uh, but, yeah, you're right on that. The, the open play goals, like, well, obviously, Rivero banged them one off the crossbar in the first game. Uh, there were other couple opportunities inside the box where they just couldn't connect on. And then I thought the Kansas City game, speaking about that one, um, I think it was a, a great chance that uh, Kakuta Mane had coming down on that. You know, he basically beat the offside trap. Uh, got the ball. Which I still don't know how he did. No, I think it was a little offside, <laughs> yeah. but but he he beat it well, according to the linesman. Got the ball. He controlled it. He was it was completely under control. But then the 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 keeper raced out to challenge him, and he, the angle he was on. If he had just followed that line, he would have easily rounded the goalkeeper, and he would have had an open net to do it. But instead, he shot it directly at a keeper charging him, and you know spread out as as wide as possible. And he couldn't get it by him. And it's not the first time that we've seen him do that either, yeah. which is the the frustrating aspect of his game. We know he's got the skill, we know he can finish, yeah. we know he's great, but it's as if when he's one on one, his mind's going too much, he's caught in two minds as to what to do. And he just wants to do and, the first thing that comes to him. Yeah, and question I would pose to you is what was worse? That miss against Kansas City one on one or the miss last year against San Jose one on one? In my opinion, I think this one was worse only because that, like I think the San Jose one was when he was, uh, it was Chichera with him or something, and all he just sat there. Uh, is that that's right, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I remember that one because he essentially just had his head down there, and who knows if he even saw uh, the little guy? He might have been blocked off or something like that. But uh, this one, he had his head up. He saw the keeper coming at him, and he still decided to shoot instead of just rounding the keeper. He, I think. Who knows? He might have lost the ball, and then he would have it would have had no chance at all. But I think he was under completely under control in that one. So I think this one was worse. It's a frustrating part of his game, and if he wants to take that step to the next level and become the player that we all think he has the skill to become, he has to start taking those chances. But at the same time, as well, he's getting older now, 
So it's like, how how much longer do you say, oh, this guy's got the potential to do this? Yeah. He has to start showing it, and he has to start showing it by consistently taking chances like that. I mean, well, that that could have been a game changer because the Caps would be back in at one on one. Might have played a little bit tighter defensively as opposed to being so loose. I don't know. Is that even possible? Uh, <laughs> who knows? Really, it's but it was one of those game-changing moments. Oh, for sure. And I think uh, I I think that hopefully they they're able to get these things because how long can they go without a goal from open play? They have to eventually get one, and and they've shown that on set pieces they can get these things. So if they can get if they keep up the set pieces and increase some of these open goal plays, then they will be in a good position to get it. And one thing we have to say about the KC game, second half, the Whitecaps were the better team. Yeah. Teams were pretty even for first 15 minutes of the half, and then the last half hour, I mean, the Whitecaps, they, they looked a better team, a man down. Yeah. Which is really hard to get your head around that they were playing better. It's as if the formation just kind of clicked, and losing Jordan Smith didn't seem to make any difference. Taking Flores out there didn't make any difference. And they were the better team. They got back in the game. And it was Rivero that, that won the penalty, yeah. getting on the end of a fantastic long ball from Jordan Harvey. And we should also give a nod to the great ball crossfield from Morales that, that set Harvey up the wing on, on the play as yeah. well. No, it, 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 like you're totally right there. That they, I think that maybe they were just covering up too much for Jordan Smith and that, that's, that screwed him up. But I, I agree that the attack needs to be more direct and they need to get more people in the box that was another frustrating thing i saw that whenever there was a chance there were people just too far back and not uh, pushing forward which brings us to our old bugbear of the fact that octavio rivero who i'm starting to feel sorry for for this season already he's on an island up there he's he's just getting left to, to do all the work so much was made in the off-season that Robo was bringing in players like Blas Perez, like Masato Kudo, not to replace Rivero, but to complement him. Yeah. To give him players in the box that could finish the chances and all the balls coming in from Bolaños and Teixeira and guys in the box that could finish them. They can't finish them, and we said this after the Montreal game, if they're sitting on the bench. Is this game coming up against Seattle going to be the game where Robo goes for two strikers and actually puts Perez in there to help Rivero out? Because the two games so far, when Perez has come on, it's been fantastic. It's like a breath of fresh air. He's brought a spark to the team and a spark to the attack. No, I totally agree. I, I, I think they should. They should find a way to get him on the pitch. It all depends on where they want to put Morales. I think that's the big thing. Morales, even when he plays up top, he doesn't seem like he wants to venture forward. He doesn't want anything to do with those center backs or holding midfielders that are physical on him and everything like that. I think that's gotten a little bit in his head. And and the and the wingers seem to play very like a bit too wide, and they need to narrow their attack as well. I think they need to. Uh, I, I like what Kukut, like we talk about Kukuda's miss, but I like what he did there, where he attacked the middle of the pitch, and that's what they need to do more of. And talking about Morales, this was a some good discussion that we had on, on Twitter on Saturday night after the game. Look at the Whitecaps DPs. Pedro Morales, Octavio Rivero, Matias Laba. They're three DPs that individually they're, they can all have flashes of brilliance. For me, Laba was the best of them last year because Pedro obviously had so many injuries and was in and out of the team. And Octavio had the great start and then kind of fizzled out goal-scoring-wise towards the end. But you look at the three DPs, the guys that a team has spent the extra money on, the guys that are meant to be the difference-makers, and those are three guys that don't really strike fear, I don't think, into other MLS teams anymore. No, and they, they're they all... Like, Octavio Rivero is a, obviously... He's, he's a dangerous young striker, but that's the thing, he's young. He's still... He's a, he's a prospect. But he, are, are teams thinking product. about him, first of all, we'll talk about him, it's like, are, are teams thinking about him, He's he can't score, it's like, yeah, he's a lot the, of hard work, but he's not putting the ball in the that's net, the thing. He's, he's not a threat. He's not a threat, and then a guy like Pedro Morales is, um, you have a player like him, he, they know, I think the book is out on him, and if yeah. they get physical with him, he tends to switch off, or he's not as effective as he wants to be, and he'll fall back. Yeah, I think he's nailed back. that. And then um, Laba, he, although, he, like you said, he was our best DP last year, but... 
He's a holding midfielder who's not going to provide much in the attack. Yeah. Once in a while, yes, he'll get a goal, but he's not. He's not a. He's not a playmaker. Um, he's more of like uh, almost like a. In football, in American football terms, he's a free safety where he's just attacking people as they come yeah. down. I mean, he's, he's not your sexy DP. He's no, the guy that's, they're not. going to stand out. No. And also, Laba does have weaknesses in his games that sometimes his challenges are a bit reckless. Yeah. Sometimes he just kind of casually saunters back into his position when he's caught up field. And all three of them, I think teams look at the Whitecaps and because there's not a big name and folk will know that I'm I don't care whether we have a big name or not I just want effective players I don't care where they come from but these are three guys that aren't striking fear into anyone just now and you look at really the whole Whitecaps team is is there anyone on that squad Kikuta Mani on his day yeah I think right there you named the only guy yeah it's like there's nobody that you're going to look at and teams are going to be like quaking in their boots no I think Kikuta and I remember the game against Portland at BC Place last year in the playoffs Kakuta goes out with the injury, and yep. basically Portland just, yeah, they feel like they've won the game at that point. T- teams will see that, and teams yeah. will know that. And, and, and it doesn't and, have to be DPs, it's just like, I mean, you, you and, look at other teams. Yeah, Caleb Porter, Caleb Porter has said that in the post game. I, uh, like when we talked to him, he goes, Kakuta, when Kakuta went out and was subbed off, yep. essentially they were able to adjust things where they didn't need to do stuff as much defensively, and they were able to do more in the attack. It's all about difference makers. Yeah. And... I mean, Toronto's got Javinko. Yeah. Kai Kamara at Columbus. Dom Dwyer with KC. Yeah. Uh, LA is full of potential difference makers, but Robbie Keane is, is the guy that springs to mind. Wondolowski at San Jose. Our opponents this weekend, Seattle, talking about teams that's maybe lost their difference makers, Obafemi Martins was the, the guy that I feared most on, on their team last year. He's gone. Yeah. Would you, who do you see with Seattle coming up this weekend as being the difference makers on that team, and do you have anyone in the Whitecaps side that's going to be the, the trouble in the Sounders side this weekend? Well, I think that the um, the the main guy that they have now, and it has to be him, really because of, of the fact, like you said, there's nobody else, is Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey is the, whether whatever you feel about him personally or or the way he acts off and on, on the pitch, he it would be the only difference maker on the team at this point because... Um, they they're dealing with a lot of injuries themselves um, at the at this point, and they've they've missed a lot of players. Uh, like you said, the Obafemi Martin is gone. Jordan Morris is here. He's a young guy, but that's a lot of pressure to put on a young guy to be a difference maker that early in his career. Although he's kind of scored for the U.S., but it's more like other people are creating chances for him, and he's finishing them. I'd love him to be a big flop. Just yeah. from both a, a Seattle and an American point of view, it'd be hilarious if well, I after think it's all more, that hype that he well, doesn't make it. It's more a Seattle point of view because Seattle was the one that's like comparing him to Messi. And his play this year has been a little bit messy. Now, Dempsey, the douche. Sorry, the douche. I always have trouble pronouncing that word. The way that Seattle have been lining up for their first two games, and we, we should say it's the, the battle of the... The zero pointers this weekend. Yeah. Someone's O must surely go. Yeah. Although it could be a draw, and then they're both there. But I mean, for years I've been saying Seattle Sounders are pointless. Yeah. And they're At just they're proving that this this year. It's like so so no change there. But in the in the two games that they've played, they lost their home opener one 0 to Sporting Kansas City. Last week went to Real Salt Lake, took the lead, and then fell to a two one loss. And. They look a little bit out of sorts. They seem to be struggling with high balls in the box, which could be good for the Whitecaps. But they've lined up for both those games in a 4-3-3. Kind of occasionally drops back into a 4-2-3-1 like the Caps. But basically it's a 4-3-3 that they've been playing. And you have to think that the Whitecaps' weakest link is our right side of the team. So you have to then look at who's going to be tearing up the, the left wing for Seattle. And worryingly... Dempsey is that guy. Yeah, and it, but the thing is with him is he's not going to be. He's not as good as. Uh, and it, it's a different game what what Piatti offered. And yeah, but a, a, different a, a game Dempsey with, the aired markup. Yeah, from what we've seen so far and yeah. what we know, the two players is a little bit of a, a scary thought. But he Dempsey's not as dynamic as uh, Piatti is, and I, I even even though he's probably a better player than Zuzi, I think Zuzi's a little bit more dynamic too. So I don't think he's as dynamic, but I think he is more physical and maybe Aaron will be able to handle that better. I'm not sure. 
but we'll see how that works out. The, he's the, he's going to need help and support. Yeah. That, that's the key thing in this. Now, the thing is, is their other strike, one of their other strikers, uh, Nelson Valdez, is dealing with a thigh injury. They're not sure what, what is, uh, at this point on Wednesday, what his pro- uh, progress is. If he is out, I know they'll probably keep the 4-3-3. They might move Dempsey into the middle and play that, uh, like the striker role and put somebody else on the wing uh, to play alongside. So, Well, Schmidt said on Tuesday at Seattle training that he, he, he doesn't know about Valdez, but he says if he's not good to go, they're just going to kind of slot in a young replacement. I mean, you look at who that might be, it, it looks like it's going to be Darwin Jones. Yeah, but would they play Darwin Jones up top I, or would they I put him on the they, wing? I think they'll put, I think you're right, I think they'll put Jones on the wing yeah. and I, I think they'll put, play Dempsey through the middle. So maybe Dempsey, but Jones and Morris. guy going up against yeah. Aird and it's... But a fast guy, but a fast guy who might not have the same finishing or uh, control either. I mean, looking at the Seattle lineup, in goal, Stephen Fry's the guy that you'd think would be... The, the guy that's going to be playing there, but he missed Saturday's yeah, game against RSL. But he, I think he should be good to go, unless he re-aggravates something, because it's his elbow, apparently. Yeah, he, he was back in training today, Wednesday. Tyler Miller, whoever the hell that is, filled in uh, in the in the loss against Salt Lake. But I think we're, we're going to have Fry, and then along the back, at right back's going to be Tyrone Mears. He missed the first game, right, I think? Yep, came back. We'd hoped to have him on the podcast today, but unfortunately our schedules just couldn't align and we, we couldn't get him on. So hopefully for one of the, the games down the line we'll get Tyrone on, on the show. Zach Scott and Chad Marshall look like they're going to be in the centre of defence because Brad Evans is still injured. And Roman Torres is still dealing with his ACL injury from last year. And then the left-back position is another guy that could be tearing up and down that wing against Aird. Joven Jones. Joven Jones. I think he, they acquired him from Chicago. I think he he is fast, you're right, but he is a little erratic. So he, it could be somebody that we want to attack as well. So yeah. So we'll I, see. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think he's I think he's the weak link there. Yeah. Tyrone Mears as well. It's like he's he's touch and go. He, he's solid, but I would be more trying to attack as well. Uh, Jones. So that we're going to be kind of attacking up that right wing as well. They they, they they basically have their one solid guy in Chad Marshall, like we have Kendall Austin. So that's going to be the guy who is going to be marshalling that backside, no pun intended. And then the, the three guys along the middle. So we're going to have even shits in the middle, and there's going to be Alonso beside him. Yeah. And then last week in the game against Salt Lake, Eric Freiberg came in having missed the first game. Yeah. And but he, he got injured. He, it's an MCL tear, apparently, a strain, they're saying on the website. So it looks as if you're going to have Christian Roldan come back in. He played in the first game against Sporting KC. So he's another guy that, that's inexperienced and yeah. another guy that the Whitecaps might hope to exploit, especially if he slots in on the left side, which it looks like he's going to do. One thing about Seattle, the big difference is I think they're... Their, their the bench especially their depth they have throughout the lineup is very young and they've lost a lot of veteran depth and I think that's gonna especially with injuries like they're suffering through right now that's gonna affect them down the road as well and I think they're they're kind of like on the same uh, level of Vancouver where Vancouver's got uh, they got a lot of veterans in the starting lineup but their their depth is a lot, really young. Yeah, the Seattle bench is gonna be really weak yeah. at, at this weekend, which is gonna hopefully help the Whitecaps. But ultimately, the Whitecaps have to get the job done. Yeah. And who do you see being in the lineup this week for it? I mean, I can't see Robo switching too much from the four-two-three-one, but I do want to see Perez somewhere in the mix. So, are we going to kind of see a lineup similar to what he put out in the last preseason friendly against Minnesota, where you've got Morales coming back deep beside Laba, or are we going to see Jacobson slot in there? I think putting Jacobson in there might be a little too early. Um, he's only I think he showed up on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, he he said he's had a, a full preseason yeah. behind him, but he's obviously had these couple of weeks where he's not yeah. been training or playing. Uh, what I would like to see is um, in the back, obviously Parker and Waston in the middle, aired on the right side, Harvey on the left side. That's obvious. Yeah, that's like given. I, I I would like to see Adekubi in the lineup, but I don't see that happening because of the fact that Harvey has played probably the best, and you don't want to take that out. And then the two holding guys, if they're going to do stay with a four two three one, which is like it's kind of obvious at this point that they're going to do that. Uh, the two guys back there, I would still go with Laba and Froze. 
I would not put Morales back there. What I'd like to see up top, I, I, I know you want to see Perez in the lineup. I don't, I'm don't. i okay with them not doing it again this week. What I would like to see is uh, Morales at the number 10 spot with the wings um, being Kakuda Mane and Kudo on one oh. side. I'm not sure which side Kudo, if Kudo can. I don't even know if Kudo can play wing or not. No, he can. Okay. Yeah, he, can he can play in right wing. So if he, if he can play right wing, I'd like to see him play the right side. And and but even though he's playing the right side, attack more, and the whoever's playing, uh, whether it's Keon's froze, kind of floating to the right side to cover for him defensively. So it's kind of leaves Laba by himself in the middle, where a lot of people have said in the past that when he's by himself, he plays his best football as a sole holding midfielder. Kind of it. So it kind of it's still a four-two-three-one, but kind of shifts a little bit when they're attacking or thing. And then um, Morales, is number, uh, we talk about Morales at number 10, uh, Manny on the other side, and Rivera up top. The only worry that we might have about Manny is on Tuesday at training, I arrived just as he was getting carted off. Yeah. He'd gone over on his ankle. And we didn't know how bad it was. He was out at the buffet while we were doing the scrums, getting his food. He had a distinctive limp. Yeah. But he's back on the pitch training today on Wednesday and playing in the 7v7 game. So it looks like he is going to be good to go. I think because it's Seattle and it's down there and because of how he, he wants plays, to play. yeah. you have to just put it in for getting in the Seattle's head from, from that aspect of it. I'd have Belanius come back in on the right, though. It's like Oh, that's yeah, that's a good call, too. Just for the experience. What, one thing I would do is if you wanted to get Perez in the game, I would take out Rivero, just one-for-one one swap. And give uh, Rivero. Uh, well, let him know he mix it up a bit. Let him let him know that he's going to be. Uh, we need him to rest a little bit, and he's going to be coming on, and we need him to like provide something in the. Maybe that spurs him on when he does come on the pitch, so he actually you know he can. Because sometimes people, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, sometimes when the people watch the game from the bench, they see stuff differently, yeah. and so you're able to sense stuff when you go on. You're able to exploit something. I'd be fine by that. I just want Perez to to start. Yeah, I I would still. Put Morales back beside Laba and go for four two three one. The way it kind of worked in that that last game against Minnesota, you had Perez and you had Tavio linking up in that game, just one behind the other. It's it's tough to fit them in the way that Robo wants to play because he wants to have the two man defensive shield. And I think because they haven't got a point yet, and because there's been so much talk this week about oh panic, panic, panic. Although. As you heard from our show intro, it's like the one thing Robo's talking about is there's absolutely no need to panic at all. And that's yeah. why we've called this episode of the podcast Don't Panic. Yeah. It's three games into the season. Even if you go 0-3, it's not the end of the world. Look not at Portland last yeah, year won the exactly. MLS Cup. And we talked about last podcast. Too. And Ma- Mark Weber sent out some interesting tweets today as well, showing that in the last few years, how little points in the opening 10 to 12 games that... MLS Cup winners and finalists have actually taken. Well, we talked about it in the last podcast after the first game yeah. about Steve Sandor, his article, yeah, which it, I think Weber probably got the stats from. It's it's hitting the end of the season in the right form. That That's the important thing. Yeah. So, I mean, Robbo, you don't want to go 0-3 or 0-4 as it could end up being for the month, depending on how Houston goes and the absences. Yeah. But it's not the end of the world. I, I don't think that you look at this team and know it's a bad team. No. It's a good team, they just aren't clicking yet. And once they click, they're going to be on fire. And they can and, roll off so many points in a row, and they just, yeah, they, they could be up to the top of the table by this, by the, you know. And everyone's June. beating everyone. I mean, look at yeah. Houston thumping Dallas 5 0 last well, week. Everybody had RSL at the bottom, and I know they played yep. at home, but they beat Seattle, who was missing a lot of yeah. people, but still, you don't expect that. Colorado's still pointless, though. That, yeah. that, that's no surprise there. But I think, I think Robo will be a little bit cagey. I kind of have a sneaking feeling that Jacobson's going to start beside Laba. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And it's going to be Belanius on the right wing and basically everything else that you said. Yeah. But I would like Perez to be the guy up front just because it's a derby I, and he's a guy that can go in with his elbows and see, rough up their defence a little the thing, bit. The thing is what I'd like to see... The reason why I would like to see Perez up there is because I think he can, over if he plays against 60 minutes in or something like that, he can wear down the Seattle center backs by like being physical with them in the box and making him work a little harder. Exactly. And then when Rivero comes on fresh, he might be able to do make, make some more runs and that kind of changes the pace and that's what they need a and lot And you've got of. to share you can bring in as a sub as well. Yeah, and, exactly. And Kudo or someone as well. Exactly, yeah. So they, or they have if you options. need to 
if you get the early goal, you've got like the likes of Froze and things like that that can come in. Yeah. So, quick prediction from you. So, you're not heading down to the game, Steve, but you've got a very good reason for not going. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'll be under the knife. They're taking some stuff out of me. Yeah. Penis reduction surgery. It's, <laughs> no one going to exactly any more details than, than that. The so, wife's finding it hard. So, I mean, th- this 150th episode, it's a milestone. It could also be Steve's last podcast. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw that in that cheer you up. Yeah. We'll be thinking off you. And I'll episode, leave some messages. Episode 151, the Steve Panda Memoriam. <laughs> So yeah, after that waffling, what's your prediction? Um, I I'm gonna say it's probably gonna be a one-one tra- draw. I'll say uh, they both tied up. I think they're both teams get their first points of the year. I'm gonna be pessimistic. <laughs> I'm gonna go two 0 Seattle. Okay. And but that, see, a lot of that depends on who's because they, because their injuries. They, they, if they lose, if they don't have Valdez, they don't have a couple other players. Then they're they're a weekend team. Yeah, team. I just think Seattle's going to really go for it in yeah. the first ten minutes, as they always seem to do down there. And in years past, we've held them off no problem. Yeah, I don't think we will this year. I think we're going to crumble. And once we go a goal down, I just don't see a way back. But I think like you, you, when you said the starting lineup, if, if Jacobson's on the starting lineup, he's he's going to be. Rumble's going to get him to cover, help help out Aird more. And I think that might be the thing. Like, if you have a veteran in front of Aird, I still think that Parker should be playing on the right side of the, of the two center backs. I think Parker's solid enough where he can cover for Aird. And he, yeah. he, he's no, played I, right I, back, I, so... Yeah, I'd like that. So so I think those two things, I think that, that will help the team out big time. I think I think you're right. They will go for 10 minutes, and I think they will hold them off during those, during those 10 minutes. I also see Aird getting at least a booking. And yeah. uh, but, but can we make it three games and three red cards? Admittedly, Bellagna says was after the after fact, the game, but yeah. can we go three for three? It looks like the committee will have something to do with that. So that's pretty much all for this episode of the podcast. But before we finish... We just have to cover the news that we thought we would never, ever get to cover. I I, I was shocked Darren Maddox has left. Yeah. No. I didn't think it was ever going to happen. Well, I thought he was going to get a 15-year testimonial game. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I, it was... it was Obviously, everybody saw it coming, especially some of uh, our friends that cover the, the team. They, they were pestering Robo quite a bit over yeah. the last little bit. Robo did say at the start yesterday to Har that... <laughs> No questions about about Matic's today. <laughs> so, so that uh, obviously saw it coming. Um, I think the Rumble probably tried really hard to get him to the East Eastern Conference. Uh, couldn't do it. Not enough options, and probably this was the best deal. And as we mentioned, they got Gam Tam and an international spot for twenty seventeen. I think Which, one expires this year too, so it'll yeah. it'll make up for that so one. So I mean, it's a pretty good return, and you're getting a horrendous amount of salary off your books. And, and the sell-on fee, right? Oh yeah, and, and the, the sell-on fee, so which I believe guys. Portland didn't mention in their press release that, yeah. that that was part of the deal. So they've essentially got two guys, Maddox and Kofi. If they ever go overseas to like a China or or Europe or something like that, they, they will get money for them. Which is, which is great bit of business, and yeah. it's not a big loss. Of course, the question everyone wants to know, is he going to come back and be a danger to the Whitecaps net? Or is he going to come back and be a danger to the Whitecaps pigeons? Or the fans, or the advertising boards. I'm not worried, and if anything, I think it just makes Portland a bit weaker. Yeah. So that is it for this episode of the podcast. We'll be back next week, or I'll be back next week. Steve's going to be in recovery mode. And we're going to cover a little bit about the Houston game and some build-up to the Canadian game against Mexico. We also are hoping to do a post-game show after the Canada-Mexico game. See if we can get some sexy Mexican Latinas on the show. Jorge Mendoza? Yeah. (laughs) Don't come much sexier than him, especially when he's in a bikini. Okay. But that is it for this episode of the podcast. Just before we go... Steve, let everyone know where they can find you this week. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsMeet. And also in a hospital bed, wearing a gown and a little oxygen mask. Probably. Or an inhaler. And for the people that were saying last week that Steve was breathing really heavy, that's not why he's going in for the operation. No, nothing to do with that. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so check out all my stuff on that as well. I'll be heading down to Seattle, so watch for some post-game coverage from there. But until next week, as always, thanks for listening. Take care.
and mourn their caps. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it, you know? Legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?